0: Welcome to the Make Workplace Great Again podcast. My name's Sean Sexton. He's Richie Coombs. Today we talk to Tim Lowe, the founder of Low Guardians. Um, we discuss all things property guardians. We also talk about resilience when running a business, starting up your own business, some of the challenges involved. We talk about making a social impact whilst running a business. Um, We talk about lots of stuff. What else do we
1: talk about, Richie? Yeah, well, we can't forget um, Tim's new business, Low Works, his local co-working business that he's based in Parsons Green, um, providing that valuable service to members so they can leave home, but stay local, get their work done in a really good, focused environment.
0: Well, we had a lot of fun making it and we hope you enjoy listening to it. Enjoy. So, I suppose, what what kind of challenges have you faced as a business owner in the property sector with the last year and everything that's been going on? Um,
2: Some of the challenges we faced, every other business has faced, um, getting to grips from working from home, uh, getting to grips from setting all your systems up. So that's all in place and and how that works. We're we're an operational business. Um, So for us, communication between the set teams is absolutely key. Uh, And we have quite a young young team. Um, So, you know, initially when it all started, I think there was a level of excitement about uh, people working from home and how this is all going to work and just over the over the summer months that became more and more draining and you know now we're in that kind of second or should we say the third phase of it and, and ultimately um, it, it's taken a completely new turn on it the, the challenges we've faced you know we're very lucky in the sense that our business has stayed operational and actually you know quite frustratingly I'd say we're in a place where, we, you know more and more people say to us well you should be doing very well during this space our, our industry's got some challenges um and we've definitely seen the 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 best and worst bits of our industry and um only a couple of weeks ago um there was a change in effectively one of the main benefits to why you would use a property guiding company in the first place um, uh, another guiding company lost a lost a court case where business rates exemptions which were one of the main selling points of our service special commercial buildings um were suddenly suddenly told that they were no longer effectively exempt from from on, on the guardianship side so from looking at my lips at the amount of opportunity coming in in 2021 it's you know last couple of weeks i've really had to put my hat back on and, and go back to basics and, and really reassess what's what's important to us. Uh, um, and what, what are we good at? Uh, and and really revise our plans for, for the next year. But, um, you know, it's not until you have adversity that you actually start challenging yourself and challenging your business to become better. Um, yeah. When things are going well, sometimes there's not really that much of an opportunity to, you know, if it's not break, break, don't fix it kind of thing. So in some respects, I'm kind of weirdly like really re-energized and excited about um, challenges and the opportunities which, which come within that.
0: Which um, brings me to the point for listeners that don't know what a property guardian company is. What is a property guardian company?
2: <clears throat> um, so what we do is um, we, we, we manage vacant space. We, we manage vacant buildings. And yeah. for property owners, typically what they would do would be paying for hard security so man security and alarm system uh they would normally have a, a, an empty rates liability which like i say is unfortunately no longer a benefit on our side and as opposed to paying for a traditional security service they would instruct ourselves we go into the buildings um we retrofit them to a habitable standard and we place bathrooms showers kitchens etc and typically it's commercial spaces so our buildings range from offices warehouses banks, pubs, care homes, you name it, hospitals, we've been in most things, um, and then what we do is we effectively fit those spaces out, and then we we, 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 we we let the buildings out to property guardians, who comprise of young professionals, key workers, and creatives, um, they pay uh, a license fee, so they are licensees and not tenants, um, which effectively gives them no legal protection over the building, so that when we get notice served on us by our clients, um, they've got 28 days to vacate the property. So, typically, most of our clients are developers or working through regeneration. So, they've got a bit of a time lag between they need to get on site. They don't want to pay for the cost of traditional security. And where we can, we also generate them some revenue. And, um, and then at the same time, we provide safe, secure, affordable accommodation for, 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 for that target of the market, which I used to be a guardian myself, so that's kind of how I got into the whole process. Well,
0: that's what I wanted to bring up because it's an amazing story. Um, if you don't mind sharing your your journey into starting a business, what's the what's the story behind
2: that? Sure. Um. So I was um. I was a graduate at Knight Frank. Um. I was paid a nominal Night Frank graduate salary um so not a huge amount of money effectively to, to to rent in london um i was sharing a house share with some mates in brixton spending about 800 pounds a month um on a pretty second rate accommodation one of my best mates was a uh, he was a property guardian i'd never even heard of it but he was living in an office building in allgate and he was paying 300 pounds a month for first his accommodation and i think see a huge amount of difference to it so i um i I ended up at work, my, 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 my old boss was um, he's quite an influential guy in terms of uh, the space he works in, and I was telling him about this. So I'd only been at Nightframe for a couple of weeks, and I was telling him how I was planning to go become a property guardian. And he got very interested about it, and we started yeah. talking about affordable options for young people in London. And... In association with the Estates Gazette and then subsequently the Evening Standard, I basically wrote a series of articles uh, about an investigation I did in terms of how many low cost options are there available. You know for, for people like myself and my surname is 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 low so the journalist came up with the the, the the investigation should be called low cost living um <laughs> which, which I was quite against at first but then it kind of sort of caught on but I, I started as a property guardian so I lived I, I rented in a uh, above a quick fit garage in in gospel oak um with 20 others I then moved on to a houseboat um, I lived in a pop-up modular home, uh, I lived in as a security guard doing a 7 to 7 in the morning shift, I lived in a housing cooperative and finally I ended up in the back of a horse box um, <laughs> on a mate of mine's development site up in Clapton in there, I remember waking up on my um, 20th, probably my 25th or 25th birthday with 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 well my girlfriend at the time she's now my wife sleeping in this horse box being like what am I doing in my life but <laughs> anyway it it, it it really got me focused in terms of um, that space and it and then actually you know that the reality is real driver for us as a business is about supporting people with these places um, one of my best experiences from being a property guardian was the sense of community within the building. Um, So, you know, I I lived with 20 other people next to um, Hampstead Heath in the summer. And it was a very badly run operation. The building was pretty neglected and there was a real us and them mentality between the guardian, us and and the provider. Um, But what I could take away from it was it allowed me to live half price to what I should be paying it allowed me to meet some really interesting people and the, the model behind what we do is taking all the good bits from ship, but equally having a really well-managed building and having a really good relationship with our clients which we can deliver on economic value where we can make savings for them but the piece I'm really interested about is is, is a social impact and having a social impact is your main driver for why you, um, why you go into business with another provider.
0: Yeah, you um, you gave some some really great examples of um of the social impact piece um when we were speaking the other day, um, namely some of the um, I think you're working with a few non non for profit organisations, is that right? Uh,
2: yeah. Um, so we've actually started our own um charity in uh-huh. in, in, in in the office. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, for us. We 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 started off as a business of evolved. We started off with this. We call it the low key program, where what we did was we worked with local hospitals and schools, and charities, and looked how their staff um, guardianship, you know, yeah. typically is 50% less. So there was a big drive for us for how can we retain more key workers in, in, in London. And over time, we we wanted to quantify. What we're delivering. So, we have an ambassador program now, which basically means that we have 24 key workers, placemakers, innovators. They're in three separate categories. Um, They're all existing guardians of ourselves uh, who who live with us, and we we subsidize their license fees. So, we give them a minimum of 40% off. Some of them are getting 80% off. It's all means tested. So, for us, it's a really nice way of showing. How we can deliver that, and at the same time supporting them in their work, and supporting their story, and ensuring that that social impact piece we're so keen about is, is spread out. So um, we launched that um, midway through COVID, right? So that was a real blessing for us because it suddenly all this stuff happened. Key workers were suddenly the main buzz point, and <laughs> everyone knew what a key worker was, yeah. um, and. We just felt there was an opportunity, rather than just saying we do X, Y, and Z, we house these people, and it, before you know it, they can become a sales pitch. To actually deliver, you need to really quantify what that social impact looks like, and for us, the best way of doing that was selecting and recruiting and having a, an amazing group of people who, who we're so we're so proud to you know live with us, right?
0: Yeah, I suppose with um, people like nurses, junior nurses who might be working. In a central London hospital, uh, getting into London, and you know, it, it is a massive cost anyway, as well as you know the price of housing. It, if you're if you if you're earning sub thirty thousand pounds a year and having to pay for all of those expenses, any any kind of low cost housing must be a godsend.
2: What 100% 100%. I mean, it's spoken about a lot, um, you know, in the media, it's been highlighted everywhere you look, but I think fundamentally, London, the success of London is about making sure that those who genuinely give back to their local area are are supported um, both through how they're paid but you know housing is such an important part of it. If you're spending 50% of your rent a month on housing in London and yet you can get the same salary and spend 25% probably have a better quality of life out of London you know there's a real issue in terms of retaining staff in there so we don't necessarily look guardianship has its pitfalls Um, it's short term you know uh, it's communal living so not everybody has a great time a lot of people do but you know when you're living with lots of different other people you there are there are situations on that as well um so as much as i'm really pro this type of accommodation it's also very important it's a set, set type of person yeah. we don't accept <clears throat> couples we don't accept people with dependencies um you know if they've got children i'm afraid it's just not for, right from it and it's really important for us if you come and take a room with us if we serve you 28 days' notice. That is part and parcel of the game we have no control over how long we have the buildings for so for us to have somebody who's going to come here and then have to be made homeless by by this it it, it would break my heart and and there's a real educational piece around that so it's not for everyone but for the people like myself when i first started in it um now that i'm married and I've got a seven week old baby <laughs> I don't know if I could go back into that. Maybe maybe
1: have a damn. I'm not too but... sure.
0: Poppy would be very keen. <laughs> no, no,
1: no. I mean, no. I mean, does this um, supplier outstrip demand for you in terms of um, of your buildings? Do you have a waiting list of guardians? I mean, for, I, if I were to look back when I was in my twenties, that would have been a dream for me to to go and do that.
2: A hundred percent. Um, it is, uh, it, it's, it's a hundred percent. We, 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 we have a huge demand for, for what we're offering. And, um, the, 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 tricky thing for us is, is trying to find more buildings and more clients to work with and everything like that. So it is very, very in demand. I, I would say just as a caveat to that, um, Currently, at the moment, we have got quite a few vacancies. We've never had this many vacancies, and I think that's quite a fair reflection in terms of a people not wanting to move with so much uncertainty going on, and, and b you know, um, I, I say we've had a challenging year. Uh, we've got a lot of guardians who have work in the you know the leisure, the retail, the creative sector, the arts, and all that, and, and they haven't had. haven't had a a, a paycheck for some time coming in and they've had to really re-evaluate their options and and move back home so Covid's been very disruptive uh, on on, on our clients at the end of the day right Um, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see how London recovers from that you hear a lot about house prices booming and um, you know, by the sea and in those more commutable based locations and the demand from there is there's a mass exodus of people leaving London. So I think it'd be fascinating to see Ken London get back to what it was. Um,
0: is, is your business focused mainly on London or are you in other cities?
2: So we are predominantly focused on London, but we've got buildings in Brighton, Bournemouth, Winchester, Oxford, Cambridge um we feel there's an opportunity for this model to be go further afield um so bristol manchester leeds birmingham they've all got good opportunities for it um it's really important that guardianships are well managed and I think that looking at where some of my competitors might've got it wrong, is over expanding and, and treating how many guardians you have as a metric of how successful your business is. But ultimately, the more people you have under your management, the, 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 the more problems you're likely to have. So it's really important to us that we service both our guardians, the buildings, and our clients in the right way. And you know, we've definitely had a good chance over the last six months to really reassess who we are as a company and then how do those
1: values translate to who we want to work with as well and and your the the product itself so i i took a look at your social media particularly the instagram account and Just looking through, it's unbelievable the stamp that some of your guardians are able to put on the places. You know, even though they've got that that 28 day notice, there's, you know, you can see the creativity there. You can see some beautiful locations, some really off the wall type properties where you you know you wouldn't dream of being able to live in. And just um, just looking through that, um, it just looks like an amazing product for for the right person that can that can really use it. It's uh, yeah, it's unbelievable the 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 low guardians um, Instagram page. There's a lot of pride in a
0: lot of the uh a lot of the the accommodation that those guys are girls are, are living in it's quite impressive isn't it
2: uh, I th- th- uh yeah 100 thank you for that um what what i think is really amazing is our guardians get a blank canvas to how they want to um you know how they want to decorate their room and the communal spaces and we so often blown away by the quality um and you know the real sense of ownership of the spaces our our guardians take on and the, the the care they put into it and I think you know it that really for us is one of our proudest moments when we go around a building we've got a a large vacant office building in Brighton and I went around there yesterday when I was doing a bit of a site visit and the amount of awesome artwork up and some of the rooms and the decorations they put into that space is is great. And it's it's a great thing for us because it really resonates with these guardians to take great care of the buildings they're living in and they really take ownership and they feel protected by it. Often we ask them, you know, we survey every single guardian of us, you know, what's the best bits and the worst bits about living, living as a guardian. And the, the, probably the most common theme on the worst bits is, is the security of tenure. How long are you going to be there for them? And it, it's often quite heartbreaking when you've had a building for a long period of time. But the first building I started with was a, was a vacant police station in Chelsea it was an amazing old building we had it for nearly five years and you know it was a very sad day when we had to give notice on it because it was a bit of an end of the era for ourselves but also for all those guardians living there if you if you're from we have one, one guy there who's born and bred in manchester and had moved to london for a new job and didn't know anyone didn't have any mates living in london and he moved into, into this police station and he suddenly had 40 mates um on his doorstep you know right there and there's a set type of person who really enjoys and thrives in living in a, like an old building, like a police station. And, you know, it's a great way of bringing those people together. So um, <laughs> I think probably one of the the, the the proudest moments for us is seeing the relationships form between people. We've had Guardians get married. Um, we've had Guardians have babies together. So, wow. yeah,
0: it's a, a, it's a bit of an adventure for for the Guardians, isn't it? they're going into a into a building that wasn't designed for people to live in um it's a blank canvas it's 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 almost a bit naughty in a way in my eyes <laughs> <laughs>
1: it, it makes me think back to the um late 70s early 80s when we had lots of industrial buildings empty and and communities would go and, and squat in there illegally you know are art art people, bohemians, you know, the, the hippies. And, and, you know, they had no security of tenure, let alone 28 days uh, notice. And you, and you look at some of the images from, from back then and, you know, what beautiful spaces they created. And this seems to be a bit of an evolution, you know, from that, you know, do, doing for good both the, the owner and, and the occupiers.
0: Did Lowe try to find a new place for the guardians? Should there, well, should, should the building?
2: Um, need to be vacated. We we always try our very best to rehouse when we serve notice on guardians. They are always given priority on all the viewings. Um, we're in a fortunate place at the moment where we've got actually quite a lot of different buildings which which we can place people into Um, we we signed I I would say probably the best building we ever had which is a uh, a, a student accommodation in South Kensington opposite the um, opposite the Natural History Museum Uh, it's an amazing 78 bedroom uh, listed building it's got a bar in it Uh, it's got all all sorts of spaces around there and um, you know we always prioritise when we get good garden we prioritise it. Guardianship's not for everyone. Um, unfortunately, we, we do we do have people who slip through the net. Who slip through. We have quite a tough vetting process. Um, I would say that mental health issues is probably the most common issue we have, and that can often be a very difficult um, thing to screen and vet against. And you know, we have people who live in buildings who, who aren't suited to um, living with 30, 40 other people. Other
0: people, yeah. And, we have. They might they
2: might have been fine before all of this process. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and and I, and I and I would say we have community managers um, working working with us who, who their, their main role is to basically ensure that everybody in the building is happy, um, and then we have head guardians who are effectively guardians living in there who, who either live rent free or or, or, or subsidised, and um, we try and go out to the buildings as much as possible now if you're living in a large building and you've been locked down for three or four months and you've either lost your job or you're working from home it's not been an easy um it's not been an easy situation so definitely this year we've seen a real rise in terms of social issues mental health issues um it's quite i think it's quite obvious why um i just hope that next year's gonna <laughs> going to improve, I, unfortunately I think Q1 next year is going to be pretty dreadful, not to be too pessimistic about it, but I don't think we we'll to have a proper Christmas this year and um, um, It can't be worse
0: than what it is right now, can it? No No. There
1: you go, Re- reasons to be optimistic then <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tim, something that, um, a word that's come up quite a lot in the conversation is, is community um, and there's been a distinct lack of community I think in in the big cities in the last few years there, you know, with people moving out and, um, and you know, lots of facilities that, that really bring communities together. And it sounds like that's one of the big values that your guardians get from, from the service. And also the, the, the local area gets from that service, you know, instead of having a, a big empty building, you know, which could attract vandalism um, and is a bit of a blot on the landscape, right, actually bringing in, a community of people, you know, like-minded um, that are gonna actually contribute to the local area, you know, spend money in the local area too.
2: The, 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 the placemaking side of things is, is absolutely key to what we do. Um, I, I wish more of our clients would recognize that. I think our clients often see this as, well, it's saving me money, it's a cost-saving side, but especially when we're taking on buildings in quite neglected uh, areas. And you've suddenly got 30 40 economically active you know young professionals creators key workers coming into the area it has a huge impact on it uh, and, and like you rightly point out um buildings which are boarded up or don't have the lights on everything like that they look neglected they get targeted yeah. squatting is a big issue in london um and once you get them in a building they're quite difficult people to take out of there so actually you know it, guardianship has a real force the good for breathing fresh energy and uh, light into these spaces and ensuring that at a time when we have so many lacking of affordable housing options available, um, you know, we can do our bit bit to try and deliver against that.
1: It just seems, it makes it seem even more perverse, the decision on the business rates exemption, where, you know, for a large building owner, your only option to to stand a chance of getting exemption is to make it uninhabitable, disconnect the services, um, and then it does become just a big, vacant, cold space that, that attracts wrong people. Um, you know, it just seems a real perverse... Um, Very counterintuitive, isn't it? Yeah.
2: It, it, it was, um, you know, for all the feedback we've had from, from the case, everybody was saying that it was a completely ridiculous situation. You know, at the end of the day, we're housing key workers, young professionals, et cetera, we're paying a council tax as opposed to business rates for, for doing so so if anything you're just l- giving less options for people to to find these types of accommodations and and you're having the the, the negative social impact which a which a vacant building has on an area right so yeah mm-hmm. but there are almost always opportunities to repurpose what you do as a business and see these challenges as opportunities to to, to reshape our model um we're really excited to uh, Announced that we're about to take on one of our largest buildings we've ever done, um, to one tower and one large office connected and down in South London, and place 500 artists. So work with a local arts charity. Um, so the building itself wasn't quite that well suited for guardianship. It was all open plan. Um, we work with a, with an arts charity which we're very closely affiliated to. And in that case as well, because they've got charitable status, the the building owner gets a rate uh, mitigation on it, so we can get the rates out. We can manage that process as well for them, and at the same time deliver social impact. So, as much as opportunities change, you know, for us as well, we're equally excited to see what other models we can fit in there. So that while we take on your vacant space, where we can, we deliver social impact.
0: Talking about spaces which weren't designed for people to live in an open plan flooring you've got a product i think that helps you create spaces for for people to live in in open plan offices is is it called a shed Uh,
2: we we we, uh, yeah we 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 looked at um obviously a lot of our space can even be the condition if it's not you know, it's cost so much money to get the building reinstated, roof damage, etc. And also, you know, that kind of warehouse space um, can be quite tricky. So we developed um, this model with a team of architects, both with a shared passion of delivering more opportunities for people within, within vacant spaces. So we, we had this um, shed built. Um, it's a modular design. It can be built on site in a day and taken back down in a day. Unfortunately for us, it's also about delivery. And we built this prototype. We got some really great press. It got featured
1: those in cool. the
2: Times and the Telegraph. It was great for that sort of things. But the actual, sometimes operationally, some ideas you have can look great on paper, but actually operationally, um, it, it was a bit of a challenge. You know, suddenly we had this issue where we had a building where we had one of those in there, and then the owner gave us notice much earlier than we expected, and so, it's, for our point of view, we're always looking at different models we can plug in there. Some of them work, some of them don't work, but it's just about trying new things. Yeah, awesome.
0: Um, and you've recently started a new venture into the co-working space. Can you tell us a little bit about
2: that? Um, probably not the best time to be starting a, a, a co-working space when, when everyone's actively encouraged not to go to an office. Maybe. Um, one of my friends ran a affordable co-working space. And um, he, uh, he, he came to me saying, I've been offered a space in Parsons Green. It's a 10,000 square foot floor plate uh, in, in an office building. Um, I'm not really that interested in doing, meanwhile, co-working anymore. I found it quite hard work. Uh, <laughs> are you interested? And um, I was like, yeah, sure, that sounds great. So we decided to go and do it. We opened the doors in um, summertime, just when everyone thought that COVID was going to be a 3 months reset button and then it was going to be back to work as normal. And, um, yeah, and then ultimately things have become more and more difficult for people to come to offices. We relocated our office from Brixton over to Parsons Green because we were struggling to find tenants for it. Um, So I went from having a a five-minute walk to work each day to a 45-minute drive and getting stuck on Wandsworth Bridge every morning going over there. But um, we've actually picked up more and more members. And do you know what? We've had this overriding sense that people are just completely sick and tired of working from home. People need offices, people need to be around people. We um, like I say, we had a, yeah, we've got a young team and um, we started off being quite flexible about working. It went from three days in the office, two days at home, then four days in the office, one day at home. And truth be told, you have to be understanding because people have different, Uh, people have different ways of working right but at the same time if you're operational and you're going through changes and you're looking to innovate and you're looking to bounce ideas off people you need to be together and I think if something this has taught me personally I I don't believe in working from home at all I I, I think it's a complete cop-out personally and I think that for young people especially um it's it's so unfair
0: Mm yeah also, I think some of those life skills of you know getting to a place at a certain time and uh, you know I think kind of having that structure is really important when you're first starting a job um, I think starting your first role um, and and working from home and being away from people and getting managed by somebody at the other end of the of a video call must be really tough. Mm
2: yeah i think having to go through we, we've just taken on a young lad actually who's just finished university and um he, he, you know the, the reality is you know these days are so competitive the job market you need to get work experience and he said that there's just there's no graduate jobs available and 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 you know you can't redo really work experience on zoom can you so mm-hmm. um i i really really hope and i think it will you know i think it will change actually when things start opening up again but i think that depending on what industry you're in i think if you're if you're older and you have got a, a longer commute coming in and you can do your job quite effectively from home and you enjoy that then fantastic my, my 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 brother is um he commutes him from kent each morning he works in the city truth be told he doesn't particularly like um his working environment of being in the office and he absolutely loves his family and 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 he said it's one of the best things to ever happen to him so it's horses for courses right um, yeah,
1: yeah. Definitely, I think one of one of the big advantages of this is it does give people choice where they may not have had choice before. You know, employers now need more space for the same amount of people, especially while you're implementing social distance. Social distancing, so allowing people to work from home if possible um, may give some people the extra choice. And um, in, in terms of your members, Tim, so the do you have people that? Want to leave home but stay local, and they're coming and working from your place. Do you see many people that um, right that that would come and join, and, and maybe their their corporation or like their company pay for it for expenses? What how do you see, how's your membership look, and how's it where's it going to?
2: So for us, what really appealed us about Parsons Green as as an area was that um, you've got it's an affluent area in South West London, and you the majority of people are are commuting into the West End, Victoria, the city, and the opportunity to find a workspace, which you can walk five minutes from home to, that, that's getting kind of that really nice blend of still being able to enjoy all the benefits of being at home and you know having a family and seeing your children while at the same time not spending two hours a day commuting back and forth from a place in there so we all our members are local put it that way and i think that kind of sums it up i think there's going to be a big rise in um this neighborhood style co-working model i think you're going to see more developers getting involved in it and you'll start seeing that you know fringe off London becoming more and more popular commutable towns having the opportunities which are a lot of these in the West End and then you know, a, lot, a lot of these co-working companies in the city in the West End they, they are in serious financial mm. problems at the moment they're running at five to ten percent occupancy you know and to make yeah. it money to, to make it profitable as a business model you need to be 85 90 percent profitability so I think you're going to see a complete change in that Um, And I think that's really exciting. And I think actually the one thing we've really lacked in the UK is that London has a bit of a circle drawn around it and it's very us and them. And I think, the more entrepreneurial ideas which people can look at and you know as things start spreading out further and further and actually why why shouldn't these more remote co-working and and, and co-living opportunities start existing right if we, if, we, if we everything is so digitally well connected now and physical space isn't at the same level uh, i think there's gonna be a massive opportunity for that
0: also i think for entrepreneurs the startup cost of starting a company in London is so terribly expensive, and that's why places like Berlin have seen so many young tech companies and just young companies in general start up there because the, the price of real estate was um, so much cheaper than it was in in London. Um, so we'll probably see some really exciting businesses form, you know, because they've got that much much less overhead um, right from the get go to 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 start their company out from.
2: I, I think it's going to be an amazing opportunity for so many different options and solutions to come forward at the moment. We, we, we get quite a few, um, three or four now actually come to us, which is um, companies capitalising on this much more flexi office space. Um, so you can rent a co-working uh, building for a day, for an hour, for, you know, for i take a meeting room. So rather than having these kind of much longer term leases or even a monthly rolling license fee people are recognizing actually coming to London they might want to go work in a, a we work for a couple of days and they can just book it off an app and I think that whole model of how we work and how we interact via technology is, is going to absolutely boom
1: yeah yeah absolutely and I think real estate as a service is something that's going to be become more and more attractive to companies you know moving real estate costs to opex um, not having those long leases that now have to sit on your on on your balance sheet, mm-hmm. um, you know that that flexibility is something that um, that the businesses I think really need these days when mm-hmm. when making long term plans for um, for your real estate is difficult. Um, because we don't know what's happening in two quarters' time, let alone two years' time, so that's a real advantage. But but again, this product outside of city centres um, is great for the community. Also, it's keeping money in the community. It's mm. it's it's, um, it's encouraging growth in the area. You know, mm. spending money on your local high street in a coffee shop rather than spending it in one of the big corporate um, coffee shop giants. You know, on your way mm. from the station. To your office, you know, that that's worth that that's worth a lot. Did you have any thought process, Tim, about how you um,
0: marketed low work and the design and the interior? Because it seems to me it's quite quite an adult space. And uh, for me, when myself and Nikki were looking at co-working um, companies um, for for our own business. And I'm not going to name any names, but some of them are really catered at, uh, you know, they were catered for a younger uh, tenant and there's blaring music. there they have a beer pump a, that turned on at two o'clock every pump. day? Yeah, I don't want a beer pump, but certainly I needed some quiet space. And I, and I thought having pumping music in communal areas was it was not what I wanted.
2: Um. <laughs> We certainly don't have that here, put it that way. Um, we, we we looked at the model and we said, first and foremost, people are looking for two things right now. They're looking for location. So if they're able to walk there from work or, you know, it's in a lower head location. And, and most importantly, affordability, right? You can yeah. t- you can strip all that other uh, stuff out of there because that's only looking to drive your, your, your membership rates higher and higher and higher. And because it's a similar model to our guardianship model, we've got effectively a nine month minimum term and then this is a three month rolling notice our clients looking to repurpose and redevelop the building anyway we sell it very much on the case of um it's heated it's got super fast broadband we've done some basic furnishing but again if we did again we wouldn't even bother doing that and we've also got a front of house who's also our office manager so it's a kind of shoestring style operation we don't have any of this sorry bollocks you know about
1: <laughs> do your
2: do your do your best work and all these slogans around there or anything like that we don't have a beer pump on a friday and, and to be perfectly honest with you i mean it's difficult right now because it would be it would be lovely to do some drinks and things like that with people but it's the, the reality is that the overall feedback we've had from people is just making sure that it's the, 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 the affordability is the main driver and so for us that's a market we cater for and, and as such you end up getting much more interesting people when you start making things more expensive you end up then getting much more corporate clients or companies who've got and raise some money and they want to go and get a swanky office whereas when you do things in a much more of a shoestring style operation you, you kind of in a way same as with our guardians you get these kind of very honest interesting people and that kind of runs a community element itself
1: yes yeah, so true i would join just to have a working <clears throat> printer <laughs> Just to be able to print. And um, I'm and, I need one as well. Yeah, and, and the day the person that inv- invents a printer that works at home, they're gonna be the next billionaire. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just um, I think
0: we're kind of wrapping up. Um one last question for me, and I'm sure um I'm sure Richie's got a couple. Um, have you got any advice for aspiring entrepreneurs thinking about starting up a business?
2: It's a very good question. Um, I mean, I think I think that, that, that it's, it's, a lot of it's quite straightforward. First thing is just, just go and do it. I, I, I think that a lot of the time people talk about ideas and um, on the whole, there's a lot of great ideas around there. I was very fortunate in the space that I started a business without having a mortgage, without being married, without having any children. I was 27 at the time. Um, I was pretty naive and I think that's also quite a good thing because if you listen to your um, doubts you probably don't do anything but I think the most important thing is just take the first step. Yeah. Um, it's incredibly rewarding but it's equally you, you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable right and if, if you're turning up to work and everything's going wrong and, and you'll have days, weeks, months when this will happen, you, you have to be able to embrace that and actually enjoy that journey. Otherwise it's, it's, it's a lonely, um, horrible experience. The, the novelty of telling your mates you run your own business very quickly wears off and you often find you don't actually want to talk to work about anyone outside of work because it's so all in consuming. Yeah. Um, and I think probably for me, I've looked at doing other businesses. I've had other businesses which have failed. I think probably the number one thing is you've got to be passionate about your product and it's got to have affected you. Otherwise, you're not going to see the the the, the pitfalls to how you can improve or, or make that model better. Um, that, that would be where, where I stand, but embrace it and in, enjoy the journey.
0: You've um, previously said to me you've had some great mentors in business. Is that also really important when you're when when you're running your own business to have somebody that you can that you can call to to give you really good advice and impartial advice
2: it's absolutely essential um you can get some great mentors who are free family members friends people you looked up to in the industry and finding people who can give you their time effort energy uh, and and run things past is, is is amazing I, I also have a business, a business coach who I started to work with about three years ago. If I'm honest with you, uh, one key piece of advice would be, um, you know, when you first start up, you, everything's a shoestring. You, know, you don't take any money out of the business, everything gets reinvested and you look at any possible area to cut costs. The, the one piece of advice I give anyone starting from scratch who has got, I had no management experience. I was a graduate with no, you know, there's there no pressure or responsibility for me to do anything from that to suddenly having to defend myself. I, I got a business mentor um, quite late on, but if I, if I started from scratch, I would have spent as much money as I possibly could to go get some goods. And I think, you know, obviously free advice is fantastic and people will be so kind and helpful with you. But when you are paying for someone, you then, it's, there, it's a two way street, if you know what I mean? So, so you yeah. do actually benefit from that in the same way and have somebody who I can have, who's disconnected to my business, but also completely online with where we're going and where the vision needs to go to. And having having somebody to be accountable to, I, I think yeah. it's really, really important. And, and that's is what it, I get.
1: Is it important that they challenge you? And uh, and because there must be a lot of people when, when you're the boss that will agree and say yes. Um, is it important to have that, that person that will then challenge you?
2: Yeah, 100%. And, 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 and actually, I'll tell you what, I think it's important that you take feedback from your team as well. Um, it's something again it's taken me a long time to realize that it's actually really beneficial to get um, constructive criticism welcome feedback from your team welcome uh, ask them how, how, how do you feel my management style is with you because actually you, you just build that relationship with people where you're on board you're on board with where they want to go and they know where you want to go but yeah of course I mean sometimes people don't want to give you the bad news or they don't want they feel that that's that's not not what they should be doing but um accountability being accountable for your own actions and equally ensuring that then if you do step out of line or or you've done something wrong if you've got team members around you who aren't afraid to pull you to one side and go look I'm just going to be honest with you I don't believe with with, with that decision it's, it's 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 a fantastic place to be in
1: I mean, there's, there's some brilliant insights. Well, I could talk, talk for hours um, about your business and the journey. I'm, I'm really impressed with the, with the social side, um, and I can't wait to see how the art space, uh, how that pans out. And um, we'll be linking to your websites and, and, and your social media as well in, in the show notes for this. Tim, thanks a lot for sharing the insights into your business. It's been great to hear about them. And if there's anything you want to share with our listeners and viewers, please go ahead.
2: Uh, th- thanks Richard and Sean, it's been great chatting today for you. Um, uh, if anybody's interested in um, finding out a bit more about what we do, if you'd like to come visit one of our properties, if you're looking for an affordable workspace in Parsons Green, uh, or you just want to chat about some ideas you can have or bounce a few things with me, I- I'd be absolutely delighted to-, to
1: talk to anyone. It
2: works well.
1: Yeah, great stuff. And we- we'll link to all of that to your websites on social media. Um, in the show notes and the description. So Great. Not, yeah. Awesome. Cheers, Tim. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Take Thanks. care. Cheers. Take you, mate. Cheers. Bye. 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 Bye.